welcome to Visit the Zoo with your host, author Frederick Fishman. And welcome everybody to episode number 003 for Visit the Zoo. And I'm your host, author and creator of all things Visit the Zoo. My name is Frederick Fishman. We're going to explore the world of animals, zoo animals in particular. This is all highlighted in my ebooks and print books and my audio books and also in my first DVD about Visit the Zoo. And we're going to talk about whether they have sweet dispositions or uh, whether if you turn your back on them, they'll, they'll pounce on you and eat you. So hopefully you'll avoid that. And I was just looking at some statistics just before I started recording this podcast. And I was pretty uh, astounded by some of this information. I just want to pass it along about the planet where we live. Uh, Three-fifths of this planet, or 71%, is covered by oceans. Those oceans hold about 96.5% of all of Earth's water. So that means that uh, the remaining 29% is land on the planet. And a third of that amount is desert. A third is desert. The rest is grasslands, forests, uh, mountains. Humans of that 29%, they only inhabit about 10% of that land. Only 10% of that 29% of land. The rest, well, about 80% really, is well-connected with with roads, highways, and open fields and farms. So that means that only 10% of land is wilderness. And here's another outstanding percentage. 95% of the world's population live on that 10% of land. So 95% of the world's population live on that small 10%. So it's pretty amazing, but you consider that the animals, though, the animals are everywhere. They're on land, they're in the oceans, they're underground, they're in our seas, they're on ice, they're there on places where it's wet or it's dry, it's hot or it's freezing. But I just thought I would just pass that along. That's pretty astounding information. Anyhow, um, again, like I said, we um, are here to talk about the animals. And I do have a website that lists all of my output, all my content, whether, like I said, in ebooks or print or audiobooks or now a DVD. And uh, you can find that at zooanimals.info. That's zooanimals.info. And you'll find links there to all of my content. And also, there's a, uh, a brand new uh, book trailer, a video book trailer that I just completed for the DVD. Let's get going here. Right, the first thing that I like to do is is talk about some news. And, and I'll just, you know, read some of the stories. I'll, I'll read three of the stories that I've picked up regarding animals. There's a theater company that does radio plays. They they do it uh, with a cast of about five or six people. And it's called the Vienna Com- Community Theater. And I believe it's in Virginia. 
I, I believe. Anyhow, it's a it's an ensemble of six actors who perform scripts from the golden age of radio. Their first show, their very first show, uh, was called Popeye Visiting the Zoo. It's replete with sound effects, and it was an episode that aired on radio in the 1930s. And in this particular play, Popeye, Olive Oil, Wimpy, and Matey the Newsboy, they visit the zoo in search of adventure. The article says that these characters, they are so distinctive for Popeye, and they were so popular back then. One particular actor, or his name is Roy Kalman, said that um, he thought it would be interesting for a local group to participate in and perform this. Elaine Wilson with the theater company said that our challenge was to make the sound effects interesting. We debated sounds, he said. We tried a lot of different things. We tried all kinds of things for hyena. It would be fun if there were actual animal noises, but we did the best we could. There weren't any in the original radio play, and we thought it would add something to it. Well, if if you listen to my last uh, episode, you'll, you'll see that uh, I picked up uh, some sounds of hyena. And actually, I hate to dispute this this group here, but these sounds are really fairly common and uh, widespread on the Internet. And you can pick them up fairly easily. You can go to audio stock companies, of course, and and pay for sound effects, which I do. But I don't think that I'll be going out to Africa in the near future to, to record some of these sounds. So it's best if I just get them from sources, from stock sources that I know are reliable. Let's go on to our next story. And, and this next story is from television station WKOW in Madison, Wisconsin. Happens to be an ABC affiliate. It's kind of an offbeat story, but I thought, you know, I would pass it along to you. It's about the bathrooms at the Henry Villa Zoo there in Dane County. And it seems like they've, they've allotted some money to upgrade the bathrooms. The $2.2 million project will replace the building to include more stalls and urinals. Also, to and more facilities for, for families and also for handicapped stalls. The plan also includes LED lighting and other green features. The Henry Villas Zoo has become a destination there in Wisconsin. There's been a dramatic crease in an attendance, the article says, and our zoo must accommodate all those who visit. The bathroom stalls for both men and women have become less than adequate to serve the 800,000 visitors who regularly visit the Henry Villas Zoo. That is a lot of people to go to one local zoo, I want to tell you. Current um, restroom building is 30 years old, and the roof is starting to fall in. I could do a lot of jokes about that. <laughs> the only thing I could say is I wouldn't want to be sitting there taking care of business and have the roof fall in on top of me. That would not be a good idea. Dane County has made many investments in the Henry Villa Zoo there in Madison, Wisconsin, including the recent Arctic Passage exhibit that has led to the highest attendance in the year's 106-year history. So, good on them for putting in the new bathroom building. I, I'm not really sure about the $2.2 million cost. That's a lot of money to sink into a bathroom, but you know what? To do it right, I guess that's what it costs. Third news story I saw from the Arizona Daily Star, our local rag here in Tucson, Arizona. And it's about the Reed Park Zoo, which I have visited many times. What they want to do is they want to create a tiger conservation center and provide more space for the big cats. They've got one 15-year-old tiger 
that was brought to the zoo on December the 1st, 2016. And I've seen that tiger and it, it's, it's a big one. It's very huge. The area where they keep the tiger is, is large enough for him to move around in. So I guess maybe they want to expand it. I, I really don't know. But what they want to do, and I've seen a lot of signs around town regarding this. They want to try and pass a proposition, Propositions 202 and 203, which would create a new tiger habitat in the Reed Park Zoo, which is similar to the one in the Cleveland Zoo. And the Tucson Zoo would also undergo sewer and water upgrades. The Zoological Society here is considering a treetop playground where kids would be eye-to-eye -eye with the lemurs that are crossing through. I know that you can look at lemurs now and get fairly close to them, but they're, they're down on the ground. Voters in Tucson will decide next month on a proposed sales tax that would solely benefit the Reed Park Zoo, which officials say will face some tough decisions if the initiative isn't passed. The proposals... The propositions, rather, 202 and 203, would raise between 8 and $10 million by increasing the city sales tax, tax by one-tenth of 1% 1 during the next 10 years. I would assume also that throughout the country, even where you live or in the country where you live, there's always a, a battle to get funding for the local zoos. Because, you know, it, it takes a lot, a lot of beating from the visitors who come there and, and also the animals who use it and to upgrade you know, all of their enclosures takes money as well as taking care of the infrastructure. Anyway, that is uh, three of the stories uh, in the news that uh, I thought that you'd be interested in. Okay, now let's move on. It's now time for the Animal Quiz. This is a feature that I do every single week in every episode. And what I do is I play three animal sounds. And I'll let you see if you can guess what these animals are and then later on in the episode i'll play them back again i'll let you know if your decision or your guess was correct anyhow here is the first animal sound okay let me play it one more time It sounds like that someone is not happy. Here is our second animal sound. Okay, once again. I don't think that one's happy either. And now here is the third animal sound. Yeah, it's very short. Let me do it again. Let me do it one more time. <laughs> what can I tell you? Those are the three animal sounds for today, and we'll later on in the episode, like I said, I'll, we'll reveal what those sounds were. All right, now let's go to uh, the next part of our of our podcast today, and this is this is going to be a reading again from one of the chapters from one of my books. I have 12 different books where I describe the behavior and the lives of animals. And the descriptions that I that I give in these books are a lot more detailed than, than what we do here in the podcast. But I'd like to at least give you a taste of, of what it is that I'm trying to do with this 12-book series. Today, we're going to talk about or let you listen to the description for the giraffe. I think probably this is the most popular animal 
that requires huge enclosures in zoos around the world. But there's something about the, the beauty and the power and the grace of these giraffes. And they, they can run very fast and they are powerful. But when they're at ease and when they're searching for leaves up in uh, treetops to, to munch on, they look like docile creatures and they have uh, very sweet faces too. So let's listen to the description uh, from one of my books of the giraffe. Let's end this part of our visit where we started at the cover and walk over to this expansive paddock and take a look at these graceful, majestic creatures, the giraffe. As you watch them, you can see how beautifully they move. They are the tallest animals on the planet. They range from 16 to 20 feet tall. The males weigh about 3,500 pounds and the females weigh about 1,800 pounds. You can see that they are very big and heavy animals. Their necks are about six and a half feet long and they live about 25 years in the wild. They have large eyes that give them great visual coverage and long tongues about 20 inches long. That long tongue allows them to grasp their primary food, acacia tree leaves. They will eat other leaves and shrubs as well. They have two unusual extensions on top of their heads. Those are like horns, but they are covered by skin and fur. Their legs are strong and their hooves can be deadly as they protect themselves and their babies from predators such as lions. The splotch marks on their bodies are a type of camouflage to help them blend in with their surroundings. Of course, we humans have no trouble seeing these large animals and they can run very fast, up to 37 miles per hour, galloping at a sustained speed of 31 miles per hour. They are scattered throughout Africa and live in small but ever-changing groups. Their main habitats are in savannas, open forests, and semi-deserts, and they are one of the main attractions at any zoo. and there is the giraffe. I have some great video of the giraffes in the DVD. They're very curious creatures too. I think they're so curious when you visit them at the zoo because they think they're going to get some food from you because there are a lot of food, uh, feeding stations at zoos around the world where you can actually give them carrots and also bits of treats that they just love to eat. All right, well then let's move on now. You probably want to know what were those animal sounds and I'll tell you a little bit about each animal too. So let me replay again the first sound, the first animal sound. Happy or not, I'll tell the world a little bit about you. That is a sea lion. The sea lion, they're tremendous creatures. They're really big. I mean, they look like seals, but they're not. They're separate animals and separate separate groups. And what makes them different uh, is they, they have an external ear flap and they have large fore flippers that they can walk on so they can walk on all fours. They have short, thick hair and this is obvious, but they've got big bellies. I mean, big bellies. They live about 20 to 30 years, and they're found from the subarctic and all the oceans in the northern and the southern hemisphere, but they're not found in the Atlantic. The males are about eight feet long, and they weigh about 660 pounds, and the females 
are six feet long and weigh about 220 pounds, much smaller. Now, the biggest sea lions are called the stellar sea lions, and they are about 10 feet long, and they can weigh up to 2,200 pounds. So they weigh just a little bit over a ton. That's a little bit more than your car, probably. And they can eat up to 35 pounds of food per day. And their main diet is squid and octopus, herring, sardines, fish, which they all get from the sea. And they can swim at, at least 25 miles per hour. That is the sea lion. Now let's play the next sound and see if you can guess what this is. I bet there are some of you that probably know. Let me play it one more time. Yeah, that's a penguin. You know, the penguins wearing their little tuxedos are very recognizable, and you've probably seen them on, on many animal documentaries and probably in zoos too, but they are flightless aquatic birds, of course, with a distinctive waddle and distinctive voice. There are 17 to 20 different types of species of penguin and they live up to 20 years. They are almost exclusive to the southern hemisphere. They eat krill and fish and squid and the largest emperor penguin stands three feet seven inches tall and weighs 77 pounds. The smallest penguin is called a fairy penguin. Those little things are 16 inches, 16 inches tall and they weigh about 2.2 pounds. So very, very tiny. Now, there are some prehistoric extinct penguins that used to be as tall as a man. They were huge, but they are now extinct. During winter storms, strong winter storms in Antarctica, they huddle together in huge, huge groups. They seem to have no fear of humans. They will approach a human fearlessly. Okay, and let's go now to the third animal sound, and let's see if you guessed it. Let me play it for you a couple of times, I think. I don't know whether you guessed it or not. That, that's a tough one. That, that's a spider monkey. They are brown and black in color, and they live about 20 to 27 years, and they have very long limbs, especially their long prehensile tail, which is 35 inches long, and they use it like a fifth arm or hand because they swing from tree to tree and can hang there from trees using that long tail. They live primarily in Central and South America, and they require large tracts of forest because they live in those trees, but their population is decreasing, and they're considered vulnerable, endangered, and in some cases, in some areas, critically endangered, and on the endangered list, of course. They live in groups of 15 to 25 individuals, and they have a complex social system. They eat mostly fruits, nuts, insects, leaves. They sleep at night. They've got an unusual way of, uh, of repelling intruders. Yeah, how can I put this delicately? They defecate and urinate on anybody who gets too close who's not in their group. I don't know whether you've ever seen it or not, but there are instances where spider monkeys at zoos have done that to visitors. So the next time you go to the zoo, I would suggest if you go to the spider monkey enclosure, you give yourself a, a bit of a distance. All right, well, we're coming now to the end and I, um, I want to go to this last part again see how you think about it and that is usually I read a, a poem 
at the very end from famous poets who, who love animals or want to write about animals. But I thought I would do something a little bit different this time. And I thought what I would do is give you some quotes, what famous people had to say about animals. And there's one in particular that happens to be my favorite writer. It's Mark Twain. He started as a, as a journalist. He turned out to be the quintessential American novelist and essayist. He lived from 1835 to 1910. He was born, this is a curious fact about Mark Twain, he was born shortly after the appearance of Halley's Comet in the sky. His favorite quote was that he predicted that at some point, whenever that was, whenever Halley's Comet came back, that's when he would go out. Well, in 1910, when he died, he died the day after the comet reappeared, 74 years later after he was born. He was considered the greatest humorist that the U.S. has produced. Author William Faulkner called him the father of American literature. And you know his books, I'm sure, and I'm sure you've read them. The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court, Innocence Abroad, and on and on and on. But the one thing about him that I, that I researched was that he really loved his pets. He really loved his cats and dogs. He loved animals in general, and he wrote about them in, often in various works. So here is a few of his quotes about the animal world. Of all the animals, man is the only one that is cruel. He's the only one that inflicts pain for the pleasure of doing it. That's from Man's Place in the Animal World that he wrote in 1896. I simply can't resist a cat, particularly a purring one. They are the cleanest, the most cunning, and the most intelligent things I know, outside of the girl you love, of course. That's as quoted in Henry Fisher's Abroad with Mark Twain and Eugene Field in 1922. That was after his passing, of course. The dog is a gentleman. I hope to go to heaven, his heaven, not man's. It's from a letter that he wrote to William Howells in April of 1899. I had to have company. I was made for it. I think so I made friends with the animals. They are just charming. They have the kindest disposition and the politest ways. They never look sour. They never let you feel that you are intruding. They smile at you and wag their tail if they've got one. And they are always ready for a romp or an excursion or anything you want to propose. That's from his book, Eve's Diary, 1906. A bat is beautifully soft and silky. I do not know any creature that is pleasanter to touch or is more grateful for caressings if offered in the right spirit. And that was from his autobiography. I believe I would rather ride a donkey than any beast in the world. He goes briskly. He puts on no airs. He is docile, though opinionated. Satan himself could not scare him. And he is convenient, very convenient. When you are tired riding, you can rest your feet on the ground and let him gallop from under you. That's from Innocence Abroad, 1869. And finally, 
You talk about happy creatures. Did you ever notice a porpoise? Well, there ain't anything in heaven here superior to that happiness. And that's from his notebooks and journal, volume 2, 1877 to 1883. All right. And that just about wraps up uh, this edition, this episode number three of Visit the Zoo. I just wanted to encourage you to come back again. We'll do the same thing all over again. I'll give you some animal sounds that you can guess what they are. Animal description from my series of books. We'll read some poems or quotes and talk about zoo news too. Would appreciate it if you please subscribe and rate and review and all that other good stuff. You know, try and come back if you can. I would appreciate it. We'll just do this all over again. Um, And also, if you have a chance, please check out my website at zooanimals.info that's zooanimals.info and I'll see you next week bye bye